Welcome to Adventures of Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And this week we're discussing the books that we're planning to read over the nice long Christmas break that we've got. I mean, Rob's very excited because this is the first time, I think maybe since you were at university, that you've had more than a couple of days off over Christmas. Yes, other than the year where I was actually quite seriously ill, uh, this is the first <laughs> sort of. So we've got two weeks in total. Yeah, two weeks in total where I've got off. That's the one of the perils of working in retail. Even when you're in head office, you sort of someone still has to be there to to man mm. to man this. Yeah, to man it all. So this is a bit of a luxury, and it means you get to do some reading. I do for once, actually. Yes, I finish on the twentieth and don't go back till January the third. Whatever the whatever the first day is. Tuesday. Tuesday or something. Yes. So yes, we thought we would talk about the books that we're planning on reading. I've got certainly got some hefty ones. Now we're going to, we've picked three each, so naturally. I've got more, obviously. You've, you've got three, one of them is a really, really chunky book. I've got more, but they're actually all shorter. Um, One of them is YA as well. Well, actually technically it's a bit younger than that. Um, because it's a uh, Philip Reeve, and um, when he was at oh god, what's uh, Yalk? I nearly forgot the name of it. Sorry. Um, when he was at Yalk over the summer, he was saying it's not. He doesn't technically write YA. He writes for children. So and uh, yeah, it's a Philip Reeve book. So I think mine will probably fit into that period as much as yours do. So um, I'm going to make Kate yeah. go first because she's chosen more than four, and she's also got a mince pie. Yeah, she's trying sorry. to eat. Um, well, I have, you've, you've already eaten yours, and then I've, yeah. I'm kind of holding mine, so I might actually just put mine down for the moment. I'll probably, sorry if you hear any munching noises. So, and also, I've already started one of these, so um, technically it's not really over the Christmas ho- holidays because I'm already reading one of them. Um, so, the first one uh, was very kindly, well, I suppose it was sort of sent to me by Georgina Moore, except you actually picked. Well, or did you pick this up while you were at work? I can't remember now. Um, well, uh, George said, oh, I've got to give you a book. And I said, oh, don't worry, I've already found it. So, But there we are. So it's yeah, kind yeah, of teamwork yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, but so this is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt, which is based on a true story of someone called Lizzie Borden and a sort of slightly mysterious death of uh, her father that took place. And... Uh, this is all based around the her then trial, basically. So this is based on a historical case, and there's a rhyme on the back of the proof which says, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. So, yes, so apparently this is much big, This is much more well-known in the States. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to educate myself in this. Yeah. Uh, Putting my um, disclaimer hat on, this is one that my company is publishing. Yes, hence yes. why I'm saying there's a bit of teamwork to get me yep. the proof of this. Um, and also, this is a proof that has been a bit tweeted about, and you might have seen a video on, uh, of it on Twitter because it's got an interactive cover. There's an app called Blipper, or Blipper, Blipper. Uh, but you, <laughs> you can download, um, certainly if you've got an iPhone, you can download it, and then it's it's like an augmented reality app, but um, you can scan the cover, and then it, it sort of comes to life, and this video um, plays. You can see, uh, well, I won't give away what you see, but you can see something happening on mm. the cover, which is it's pretty fun. 
Um, it's a nice, a nice gimmick. It's good, a good fun thing, and it, it kind of it makes sense when you read the book. Anyway, so I've started reading that, and I, I really, I'm really enjoying the the style of it. So this is a, yeah, it's a much more well known case, which is it's actually not as I thought it was set longer ago, actually than it is and I've I realised it's actually more recent mm. um, but it's in the um, late 1800s in the US and um, it's basically Lizzie is this Lizzie is the main character and she's a younger sister she's sort of quite discontented she's uh, you're, you're sort of partly in her head but there are different narrators as well and you sort of go between different narrators and it's not yeah it's obviously not a who done it but it's more of a kind of why done it and you're you're trying to work out what re- what exactly happened why why it happened um also kind of was everything being done fairly and it's kind of a almost more of a character analysis thing but i'm finding it really interesting so far i'm not that far in but I'm quite fascinated to see how things develop. So yeah, I'm about fifty pages in. So there we go. Did you just? Did I just see that you just folded down a corner? Yeah, I can't. Oh. I you've nicked my bookmark. You said um, I could take one. Yeah, I took it off there. But I've run. I've run out now. Sorry, listeners. Um, I was just disgusted that Kate. Well, it's a, folded it's, down a corner. I'm starting to get a bit more laissez-faire about this. It's not a finished copy. It's a proof. Still. Um, and I think. Partly because part of my job is making proofs of all mm. these books, and I'm starting to feel like a proof is a bit more disposable as opposed to a finished copy, which is the real thing. Right, I and see. I kind of feel like I wouldn't fold down a corner in a finished copy, but this is a proof. If I were to then get a finished copy, that would be like my good copy. This is like my reading copy. Right, well, I'll get, you, know I'll get you. I'll get you a finished copy, but still, I think you should treat that. I want to read that after you. So, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> do you see, I, do, I do think this is an interesting thing. If if I was a book buyer and I'd gone and bought this from a shop, and this was a finished, if this was like a first edition hardback, I would never fold down a, a mm. corner. Yeah, and I would always use a bookmark. Yeah, and I would never write in it, and I would never do anything or highlight it or anything like that. And I absolutely still stand by that. But I do, I'm starting to feel like with a proof, there's something a bit different about it. And listeners, this is something that is more of a kind of publishing thing where um, I don't know if we've talked about it this that much, but a proof is basically when you are, when you're making a book, in the process of making a book, um, you get proof pages, which are what editors use to look at and, and go through and highlight and then send back change. So proofreading, that's where that word comes from. But then those pages are also used to make these advanced reading copies, which are sent out to reviewers. And they're also sent out to people who then put the, you know, you get the like recommendation quotes from other authors or, or VIPs or whatever that go on the finished copies. Um, and they're sent out to members of the press and so on. And they're also what gets sent to book bloggers. Um, so if Rob and I are reading advanced cop- like really advanced copies, like five or, five or four months ahead, that's before the finished copies are available. So we're probably reading a proof copy. So even though you get hardbacks first, in most cases, what we're often reading is like the same size as a hardback, but it's got a paperback jacket. 
Mm. I actually like reading those because I find them easier to hold because my hands sometimes get weirdly achy and so I, I find them nice to read. Yes, but I do, yes. As part of my job, I'm actually in charge of making lots of proofs. Well, I do as and well. And um, you can't sell them on. No. You... Um, because obviously that if you were to sell them on, that means people aren't buying the real things and it's actually bad for the book industry. Um, so you can't give them to a charity shop or anything like that. No, I'm, um, just, I'm just shocked. Yeah, I so I, I kind of you, I feel like before. they're a bit disposable. Um, I know some people collect them because obviously there's only a limited number made of each book. I do. I think, I mean, I've, on my shelves I've got the proof copy and I've got the finished one. And yeah. for me, the, the proof is a lot rarer. But, but um, well, that, yeah. I mean, technically, yes, that is true. So, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, I just realised you might want this because this is a headline book. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't be folding. So let's the get you a bookmark. Pages down. <laughs> sorry about that. But anyway, so I hope that wasn't too boring of a discussion for you all. So maybe it's a bit of an insight into publishing. So and, there and we go. Insight into my outrage. <laughs> I've just unfolded the page, everybody. Get you a bookmark. I see bookmarks from here. Okay, so <laughs> moving the, on. Moving on. So the one I'm reading over Christmas Sorry, is... Sorry, I should just say, oh. by the way, um, well, Rob, you might know. When is this out? <laughs> oh, no, hang on. It says in the back. Sorry. Um, so in the UK, this is out as a hardback in May, which yes. is why I've got a proof copy, not finished copy, because the finished copies are probably not available until probably February, I would guess. We shall see. Anyway. So there we go. Moving on, uh, I've got another headline book. That I am reading for Christmas, but you might remember me um, talking about the Jim Henson biography that I read many a year ago, uh, a nice big hardback, which was profiling Jim Henson, who is best known for creating the Muppets. Well, that was written by Brian J. Jones, and he is now back with a new book that has just been published here in the UK, and this is to do with George Lucas. Very timely, of course, because we've now got the release in about a week i yes. think of rogue one be thursday is Thurs it? wednesday thursday something like that anyway uh, so this is this brian j jones this is his story of george lucas and the sort of cinematic empire that he created which has now obviously been sold to disney but um mm. he it's you probably don't know um he created not only did he create star wars but he created industrial light and magic which went on to do all the special effects for things like Jurassic Park. Um, that, like E.T. and things like that. Uh, E.T. They're, they're best known for their model work and also for their... Now it's all sort of computer-generated, but they did The Force Awakens, and when they did it this time around, they tried to do as much um, for real as possible. Uh, they had LucasArts, which made all the point-and-click games like Sam and Max, Day of the Tentacle. There was a fantastic Indiana Jones one that I used to play on a very old computer. Uh, he also did things like um, Skywalker Sound, but also he uh, sort of created the blockbuster and the merchandise that came around it. That He mm. very cleverly decided he was going to hold on to the merchandising rights for Star Wars, and that basically bankrolled his entire um, career. And he's good friends... Skywalker Ranch. Skywalker Ranch, yeah. And he's good friends with people like Steven Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola. He obviously helped discover Harrison Ford in American Graffiti and then Star Wars, so... It's another character that I'm interested in, uh, finding out about, about their life and how their sort of creative process. I really enjoyed the Jim Henson one. I found out things that I didn't know about him. I probably know more about George Lucas than I did about Jim Henson, but it's still an interesting um, interesting story, interesting character. It's right up my sort of street. He created Pixar, Indiana Jones, all my sort of 
basically, I think he created most of my childhood, if you think about it. He helped do Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> he helped create Pixar. He helped make Labyrinth. I think it'd be very interesting to yeah. find out more about how he fed into Pixar, actually. And, I mean, there you've got the Steve Jobs crossover as well. Into Apple, yeah. And also, um, I'm interested to know why he sort of took a step back after Star Wars. He didn't really direct anything until the prequels. Uh, said about that, the better. But someone else directed Empire and also Return of the Jedi, and I'm just sort of interested to know why why that was when he was sort of known as a bit of a sort of he had he's had a certain eye. He made sort of you know arty indie films with THX and American Graffiti, and then he went sort of completely the other side of things with Star yeah. Wars. So big blockbuster. Big blockbuster. He invented the blockbuster. I mean, no yeah. one really knew what, what was going to happen with Star Wars when it came out. No. But yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, it's one of two non-fictions that I'm planning on reading this Christmas, which I can sort of dip in and out of. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And that's out now in hardback. I think it came out on the 6th of December, but which is um, George Lucas, A Life by Brian J. Jones, published by Headline. Mm-hmm. Go on then, your next one. So I'm just eating my... Um, Kate's eating, so I will just... Uh, just eating my mince pie here. Yep. It's Christmas. Um, well, nearly. Um, so, my next one, I'm slightly cheeky, and I did actually request this. Um, just really struck by what a lovely cover it is, and then also because it's got some nice recommendations, one of which particularly caught my eye, which was Naomi Novik. But she said, a beautiful deep winter story full of magic monsters and the sharp edges of growing up. And I really enjoyed Uprooted when I read it a little while ago. I know lots of people are um, very keen on her um, fighting ship and dragon stories. So I do, I do think I need to delve a bit more into Naomi Novik's work in 2017. Um, I think maybe in a future podcast we should talk about um, our kind of things that we want to read more of in 2017 mm, but yes. this particular book is called the bear and the nightingale by Catherine arden it says beware the evil in the woods and it's got the most um extraordinary cover um all sort of um like hand painted with these wonderful flowers and creatures and um it's very kind of russian influenced do and you I not th think there's a slight whiff of essex serpent about that well a little bit but only in the fact that it's quite busy and floral because the essex serpent cover is very much william morris Yes. And I think that's a, ve that's a very specific look on the cover of the Essex Serpent. And I think this is very much Russian. And mm. it's very wobbly and clearly done by hand and all individually illustrated. Whereas the Essex Serpent looks very much like tapestry and it's a very regular pattern. As someone Whereas who this, designs... is, this is not a pattern. Mm. As someone who designs bookproof covers is wobbly a technical term. I'm giving you a for the listeners. I was giving Rob a hard stare in that pause. You don't I'll, need to leave that pause in. I'll keep quiet now. Okay. Um, so anyway, anyway. Um, so just to so this is out in January. Um, so this is a finished um, hardback. Um, but this is another one that uh, written by an American. It's in, it is inspired by Russian fairy tales and folklore. And I, I do think there is a bit of a Russian trend going on because then Naomi Novik had a very Russian feel to it. 
the vintage of publishing a whole <laughs> I don't know if this has anything to do with Putin um, <laughs> vintage of publishing this whole collection of um, kind of Russian classics um, there's the Lee Bardugo Grisha World her original trilogy and then the you know the kind of Six of Crows those you know new ones which are very Russian influenced um, so yeah I think there's definitely this kind of Russian trend hmm. is it fair yeah. to say perhaps so it says in a village at the edge of the wilderness of northern russia where the winds blow cold and the snow falls many months of the year an elderly servant tells stories of sorcery folklore and the winter king to the children of the family tells of old magic frowned upon by the church but for the young wild vasya these are far more than just stories she alone can see the house spirits that guard her home and sense the growing forces of dark magic in the woods. So all the kind of creatures are supposed to be a bit like um, the, the sort of spirits around in the woods. And there's this um, girl with dark hair who is Vasya, obviously. Um, Catherine Arden was born in Texas, um, but she uh, went over to France during her university time. She studied, uh, studied uh, French and Russian literature. She's travelled around quite a lot. She seems like she had quite an interesting life. She lives in Vermont at the moment. This is her debut. Um, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. It's had some good recommendations. Um, and I do really like um, fairy tale type stories. Um, yeah, a bit of magical realism. So I think that that's a, a good Christmassy type tale. So mm. there we go. So the Shameless Plug edition continues as my next book is published by Tinder Press, which is part of Headline. Uh, <laughs> so I've got a lot oh you can do. Technically, this is work, but I don't think it's going to class as oh, work. I well, I suppose I should say that previous one is published by Del Rey, which is part of Ebury. So my next book I'll be reading over Christmas is... Now, this is called The Twelve Bullets of Samuel Hawley by Hannah Tinty, but it's actually been changed to The Twelve Parts... Twelve Lives of Samuel Hawley, I believe it was. Um, this was published. This was printed quite early on. This proof. Uh, the book's not out till the twenty third of March in hardback. There's a great quote on the cover that says, "One part Quentin Tarantino, one part Shahrazad, twelve parts wild innovation." And that's a quote from Anne Patchett. After years spent living on the run, Samuel Hawley moves with his teenage daughter Lou to Olympus, Massachusetts. There in his late wife's hometown, Hawley finds work as a fisherman while Lou struggles to fit in at school and grows curious about her mother's mysterious death. Haunting them both are 12 scars Hawley carries on his body, from 12 bullets in his criminal past, a past that eventually spills over into his daughter's present, until together they must face a reckoning yet to come. His father-daughter epic weaves back and forth through time and across America, from Alaska to the Edronachs. Both a coming-of-age novel and a literary thriller, the 12... The 12th mm -hmm, of Samuel Hawley explores what it means to be a hero and the price we pay to protect the people we love most. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think it's a good idea if you make that noise when you Yeah, when you say no, that. maybe not. I'll just mumble. A nice bit of a Western and obviously a bit of Arabian Nights thrown in. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that one. It's, it's had, I've heard so many good things about this. Um, I'm really looking forward to sort of losing myself into this world over Christmas time. Okay. 
Your next one? So my next one, as I mentioned, I've got a book here by Philip Reeve, which is Blacklight Express. This is the follow-up to Railhead, which I absolutely loved. That was out last year. And I um, spoke to Philip on the YA podcast, and he, he kindly um, came on and chatted with me um, about Railhead and um, kind of how he came to write it, and a, a little bit about his previous books as well, about his writing process. And I'm a huge fan of Philip's work. I think it's really interesting and innovative and imaginative. Um, and he's, I, I think, a fantastic writer. And he kind of combines um, science fiction and quite, I think, interesting, unusual concepts. And this um, series, this is the second one, and I seem it's going to keep going is set in a sort of slightly futuristic place and you've got the idea of these trains that run almost kind of from planet to planet through these gates um, and they, they kind of jump from planet to planet. So they run on rails around on across the worlds mm -hmm. but then they'll also jump between the worlds as well. Oh, like a wormhole. Yeah, kind right. of like a, a sort of wormhole or yeah. something. Um, but the way that he describes it just makes it seem totally normal. Um, and, you know, he was talking about how he didn't want to have normal spaceships because those are so, you know, you, they're so done, basically. Yeah, Whereas a yeah. train is actually quite a familiar um, way of travelling and young people can relate to getting on a train. And this makes travelling between worlds um, actually a really straightforward way of doing, you know, you don't want to spend ages faffing about explaining mm. getting between worlds. Yeah, and, and this it, actually makes it quite straightforward. A little bit steampunk almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and But also the trains have... Uh, kind of AI, they've got intelligence, they've got some agencies well, so there's that kind of quite exciting element to it. Um, I, I really thought the first instalment was great. Um, I, if you want to know more about the series, go back and have a listen to the previous YA podcast um, with Philip. Um, we can put a link in the show notes. And he, yeah, if you, if you get a chance, um, go and see him on tour because um, he's he's really fun and um, I would also highly recommend his um, series about the moving cities which I think is is great mortal engines um, I think he's a really fun interesting um, writer with yeah lots of lots of very interesting things to say about a number of topics yeah so there we go so I'm really looking forward to it it probably won't take you very long um, which is partly why I've been ambitious with my number of choices. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting. I'm quite egalitarian as well. Um, so the main character is a male, but um, there's also a very um, empowered female character here um, as well. So I enjoyed that too. Uh, yeah, so really, really fun, exciting uh, technological adventure. And that's out now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is out yeah. now. Another book that is out now, and this was actually a birthday present which I got from 
my parents or my brother, one or the other, anyway, whoever it was, thank you very much. This is a very hefty book and it's another one that's going to be exploring my uh, childhood interests. And this is Some Kind of Hero by Matthew Field and AJ Chowdhury, which is the remarkable story of the James Bond films. So this is literally going film by film throughout the entire Bond series, which is uh, something I've, um, I'm saying it's quite hefty, the, the index alone is about a hundred pages. Anyway, um, it's published by the History Press, so uh, hopefully it's going to be in actually almost slightly academic in tone, which I'm quite interested in. I'm really quite nerdy when it comes to James Bond. I think I got to blame my dad for that one, and also our next door neighbour John, uh, who uh, we used to watch a lot of spy thrillers. So I remember watching things like The Man from Uncle and Mission Impossible, the television show, uh, watching the Bond films. I wasn't allowed to read my dad's Bond books. Um, his mother didn't approve, but I used to sneak them off the shelves anyway. Um, at worst, they're quite violent because they were they were written in the fifties. But um, yeah, you know, I grew up sort of with the Bond films. I suppose the Bond that I grew up with was probably Roger Moore going into Timothy Dalton. But I wasn't old enough to actually go to the cinema to see them, so we had to rely on watching them on a bank holiday on ITV or even recording them off the off the TV. But um, this is going to keep me busy for a while, and uh, Kate, I'm probably going to bore you with reading out the odd fact here and there, because your, your Bond education, is it is it full? Have you watched them all yet? Um, no, I don't no. think I've watched them all yet. Uh, you're not really a fan of Roger Moore, are you? Not hugely. No. But, I mean, what's, what's the one that I think is a bit better? The one you watched voluntarily on your own, actually, yeah. which, which uh, can't be worth surprised. That was a few eyes only. I thought that was a bit yeah. more like it, actually. I preferred that. You're not too keen on the, the sillier aspects, the um, mm. the double-taking pigeon and the... Oh, in, no. ...inflatable gondola. No, I think that's just daft. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can skip that one. But you, you introduced yourself... You got them through, what, Daniel Craig, wasn't it? Yes, I think that's oh, fair yeah, to say. You <laughs> suddenly perked up a bit when I mentioned his name. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um... <laughs> And I can't, I can't possibly imagine what appealed to the teenage boy in me in watching um, no. the Bond films and the Bond ladies. I mean, it's just yeah. Well, no, it's a, it's a complete mystery. So this will keep me quiet over Christmas. It is, in fact, about uh, seven hundred pages long, and quite small text, very few pictures. So uh, yes, this is going to keep me very quiet, and I will be boring for Britain, no doubt, when I can tell you all the things that we found out oh i mean i for one cannot wait to hear exactly between that between that and george lucas that you discover yep i mean good lord but that is out now it's a nice big hardback uh 25 pounds from the history press so you've actually got two in your lap you, you've got more than um you well, I thought you had they four. kind of they kind of come together right we'll, we'll finish off pair. with your so Two. the reason that I mean, these are actually not even pro these are not even proper bound proofs. No. These are actually just bind ups with like plastic, um, you know, bindy thing like squishy bindy things around the um, uh, spines. So very early. So very very early because these aren't actually published until June, um, but we're just about to make bound proofs of them now um, because these uh, we're actually going to publish um, some Maggie Nelson in the wow. UK so last year people started I think 
probably it's fair to say raving about the Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. Um, but it wasn't um, kind of, I mean, I guess you could obviously get hold of copies of Argonaut, of the Argonauts. And I mean, that was kind of a, this, an account of this very sort of diverse, unusual family, basically. But we, uh, we Jonathan Cape, have acquired two books by Maggie Nelson. So they're going to publish Bluettes um, and also The Red Parts. Um, they're going to be published... Bluettes is a, a book of poetry, which is was first published by a publisher called Wave Books, which is an independent poetry press in Seattle in 2009. And it covers stuff like depression, divinity, alcohol and desire... And it also mentions um, famous figures like Janie Mitchell, Billy Holiday, Leonard Cohen, and Andy Warhol. And it and it also has a running theme of blue, hence the title. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's also this book called The Red Parts, which is a, a sort of a memoir. And that's actually going, going to be sort of... It, it was acquired also by someone called Michal Shavit, who is the publishing director at Jonathan Cape. But it's that that's actually going to be published as a vintage paperback. But it, it's kind of a memoir, and it's an account of a trial as well as kind of an essay. And it's all about violence and missing women, and it's focusing on the murder of uh, Maggie Nelson's aunt. And it's all about grief and justice and trying to find empathy with people. So it's really, really personal. And it's also quite shocking in places. Um, But the writing is just supposed to be absolutely amazing. So I've got a very, very sneak peek of both of these compared to almost anyone in the UK so it's quite exciting really Um, so yeah I have both of these things before they're even in book form even they're they're just just bind ups as they stand so it's pretty exciting so there we go so yeah Vintage are going to be publishing these um, in June 2017 so that's quite an exciting thing for people to be looking out for um, next year so that's that's my one vintage part plug um, everything else was not <laughs> I don't know what you mean um, so unusual I know but um, yeah I thought I would avoid it this time out. Um, I'm sure I'll manage to um, plug them for something else but yeah so I'm actually I'm actually really looking forward to reading that over Christmas um, I think that should be really should be really interesting um, and quite different and maybe not so Christmassy as my other choices, but um, should be quite special. I think mm. I haven't read any poetry for ages as well, so I'm looking forward to reading that. Mm. So it'll be nice and quiet this Christmas. Yeah. Although I'm slightly regretting choosing hefty books. <laughs> I have to lug them back on the train, aren't I? Well, there we go. So there see, I choose are. smaller ones. So if you, that's it for this week. Now, we'll be back in a fortnight, which happens to be Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So we're still working on our Christmas... Yeah, we're plotting at the moment. But there should be an episode out 
on Christmas Day, and I believe the way it then falls, it will be New Year's Day as well, mm -hmm. the way the calendar falls, so do look out for those. If you'd like to follow me on what I'm up to during the week, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Litzy at Rob Chilver. Uh, you can follow me during the week at magic underscore kitten. Uh, we've just shared a picture of our driftwood Christmas tree and um, some goodies that were kindly sent over from a buddy at Faber. So a few bookish things and Christmassy things up there. If you'd like to get in touch with before the podcast, you can send us an email, contact at adventurewithwords.com. You can head over to the blog, adventurewithwords.com. You can leave a comment under there. You can even leave us a voicemail. And you can also follow us on Facebook and you can send us a tweet at Word Adventures. So that's it for this week. We'll be back on Christmas Day, uh, pre-recorded, it's safe to yes. say. But uh, so from Kate and I, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And uh, hope to hear from you soon. Bye.